Hello and welcome to Six Figure Authors, the show that helps you take your writing career to the next level. I'm Lindsay Broger, and I'm here with my two co-hosts. I'm Joel Allo. And I'm Andrea Pearson. And for today's show, we're going to talk about what each of us would do if we were new authors starting from scratch today with the knowledge that we now have after as career authors after 10 years of publishing. And um, I've actually had the opportunity to do this once before with a then anonymous pen name. But for me, it's been more than five years since I launched that pen name project. So basically, everything's hypothetical at this point. Uh, things change quite a bit in the world of uh, indie publishing, especially indie marketing. Um, but Andrea's actually got a new anonymous pen name now. So hopefully she can chime in a bit on that. And we'll, we'll ask each other a few questions, try to anticipate what you guys might be asking or thinking. Um, and to make things realistic, semi-realistic, we are going to give ourselves a $2,500 budget as new authors, which is it's quite a bit more than I spent on my first book. Uh, I did not have that much money back then. Um, but I, for mine, I have a rapid release strategy. So I'm, I need to cover at least three books. So I'm being a little generous here with that uh, so that I can get the covers and edits for the three books and have a teeny little little bit left over for promotion. So we will just pretend that, pretend that my hypothetical starting from scratch self has a decent job and or a supportive family, <laughs> uh, you know, that there's a little bit of money to invest in this. And uh, hopefully you guys are in the same boat. But like I said, I wasn't in the beginning and I know a lot of other people aren't either. Um, but yeah, before we jump into that, do you guys have any news that you'd like to share? Sure. Um, as we record this, my Epic Fantasy book three We'll be getting back from the editor tomorrow. So if I'm good, then by the time you're listening to this, I will have a pre-order out for uh, for Epic Fantasy 3. And I'm probably only going to do like a one-week pre-order. Um, and uh, at the end of the month, I'll be releasing my top-level player, my uh, lit RPG-style Ready Player One-ish type book. So I'm going to have a pretty dense November, and then really nothing major until March. My next editing slot is at the end of February. But I'm hoping to fill the time in between. I have not done uh, collected editions of the... I've finished three series, and I haven't done collections that include the, the concluding books of those series. And I had already developed a plan where I was going to do volume twos that have the, the, the last three books in each series, and then complete editions that I sell directly on my website. So I'll probably roll that plan out, uh, you know, during that gap in, in my release schedule. Uh, and as, um, as I write this, I have not yet decided uh, what I'm going to be doing for NaNoWriMo. I was the next book that I intended to write was going to be book four of the epic fantasy. But I am a, sort of a purist with NaNoWriMo. I don't just want to hit 50,000 words. I want to finish a novel. And I don't trust myself to completely finish a, a, a full-length epic fantasy in 30 days, especially not when Thanksgiving is in there. So I'm going to do a palate cleanser, and I haven't just chosen what that is yet, but it's going to be something short, possibly a, a sequel to one of my standalones that I've done in the past to try to eke out a, a, a minor series instead of just a standalone. Uh, but we'll see. But hopefully by the time people are listening to this, I'll have an answer to that question, but not yet. Uh, yeah, and that's, that's where I am right now. Happy Halloween, everyone. Andrea's got something <laughs> over her face. Oh, are you ready to go next, Andrea? Or did you have I, any comments? I, I am. And now I have the best beard of the show. <gasps> You're going to confuse people. <laughs> Except it's very, something in my very mouth. sexy. Wait, yeah. did you say it's sexy? Of course. Oh, Andrea the Lumberjack. 
There we go. Oh my gosh, this thing is horrible. This will okay. be coming out right before Halloween, so I guess that's appropriate. <laughs> okay, so my news. <laughs> the desired, there, up above my nose. <laughs> there it doesn't work either. Dang it. I'm just going to take it off. <laughs> ah, gross. Ah. <laughs> well, that fails. <laughs> uh, can we get an edit here on aisle three? <laughs> Computer three. <laughs> okay, so... Anyway, so my update, um, the desire to write is there, but I'm still struggling with the cognitive part of it. Um, my last major surgery in 2000, 2014 was my knees, and it took several months months for the general anesthesia and the painkillers um, and all that to leave my system. So I've officially given myself permission to stop wanting to write <laughs> until I've healed more. Um, in the meantime, I'm unpacking boxes. And figuring out storage systems because we're renting our basement to my brother and his friend. And then getting our toddler in for a lot of testing. He's been just having so many issues. It's been awful. Um, and then I've been building shelves because of the storage problem and doing a bunch of DIY projects and then homeschooling, homeschooling the kids. And I'm finding a lot of creative outlets in most of these things. So the itch to ride has been satisfied somewhat. So that's good. Uh, and then I just try not to think too much about it because it just drives me crazy. And really it's, it's upsetting. Like I can't do what I want to be doing. I've also scheduled my first promotion on my romance book. I decided to do it 99 cents since there's only it in the next book in the series. Actually, I think it's, um, it's, I did a promotion when it first launched and I did not because I was moving. No, we went to Hawaii. That's what happened. I didn't get to do as much on it as I'd wanted to. So this is my first big promotion on it. Uh, but the second promotion I've done anyway. So I'm doing it at 99 cents since there's, since there's only it in the next book in the series, I will do another promotion at free once there's three or more books. And I honestly could have done it free this time just to get a lot of subscribers to my newsletter list, because when you do free, you get more downloads and don't always make back the money, especially if you have only one or two or no later books in the series, but subscribers are usually better than a download. Uh, anyway, let's see. Okay, so I can't wait to see how that promotion goes. It's coming up on November 9th through the 14th. Um, if you write clean contemporary romance and would like to do a newsletter swap with me, send me an email or message me on Facebook. Um, I would really appreciate a share during that time. That's November 9th through the 14th. And um, yeah, I'll, I guess I'll be talking more about those books later during, during the part. So Lindsay gave us the topic. She's like, guys, we should talk about this. And I totally misunderstood it. And so I prepared something very different from what they prepared. I mean, it was kind of related, but anyway. Um, so, and then also just a quick reminder, I'm in a story bundle with, um, let's see who else, who all is in it. Um, Craig Martell, um, Mark Leslie Lefebvre and Joanna Penn's books in it. And I'm trying to remember. Oh my goodness. Ken, Kevin McLaughlin, McLaughlin, McLaughlin. I don't know how he says his name. Um, I think Michelle Jeffries is in it. And I can't remember off the top of my head. Sorry, guys. Um, Sasha, Sasha Black. Uh, anyway, storybundle.com forward slash nano to go grab your copy. And it's available now through like the first week of December. Anyway, that's it. Yeah, those are kind of books for that will help people that are doing NaNoWriMo, right? So it's a big, they do it every year. It's always looks like a, a really good collection for the $10 or whatever. Yeah. So it's like a, it's like all things writing. So there's some that are geared to how to write during NaNoWriMo and others that are geared to writing in general and others that are geared to what to do after the, your NaNoWriMo book is done. Mine are always marketing books because that's kind of what I do. So, yeah. 
Okay, cool. And Joe, I have to warn you, if you do a palate cleanser between your epic fantasies, that's how you end up with a six book werewolf and witches series. So that'll probably happen. I'm just going to warn you now. I will not be upset if that happens. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess for my news, uh, I finished the rough draft of my fourth uh, Dragon Gate epic fantasy novel. It was about 160,000 words when I finished and I'm editing now. So, you know, that advice that you should like shave down 10% of your words when you edit. Well, I shave those down and then I add back 20%. So it's, it's creeping up in word count, which is pretty typical for me. So basically it's kind of in line with the previous. Um, it was another big complicated story. So I decided to take, uh, make my winter a little lighter and write three more werewolf books in between this and the next epic fantasy. I'm, I'm just editing this and going, Oh my gosh, I'd already be almost done if this was one of my 65,000 word books and it doesn't hurt that those have been selling well so that's always a bonus like if something bombs you're a lot less tempted to like let's turn this into a six book series um but yeah i i feel like i want to slow down and take a little more time off we talked about that in the struggles episode so i'm at least i actually signed up for some cross-country ski lessons coming up in uh, january february to make sure at least one day a week i leave not only take my butt out of the chair but leave the house drive up to the mountains and do something fun all right so that is our news i guess we will start with the main topic of how we would start from scratch if we were starting new today again this is not this is assuming we have our knowledge so we're not fumbling in the dark <laughs> completely. But uh, yeah, this is what we would do. And I think Joe is going to jump in and do his first. Yep. Um, so yeah, a few criteria, uh, criteria on this. And Lindsay mentioned earlier, I'm going to assume that I still have a day job during this process uh, for the bulk of it anyway. Uh, it's speculative for me too. I have not started a new, uh, like no stealth pen names that anybody knows about that I feel like talking about. So, um, yeah. And also, uh, I was not the first person to put anything into this, into this uh, document. So mine's got a couple extra experimental things to differentiate. Um, and we'll, I'm discussing those as we come along, I'm sure. So, um, I would probably pick a genre that I can, that can tolerate books between 60,000 and 75,000 words. Uh, there's no shortage of genres that are of that approximate length. And, uh, books that are that long, I would be relatively, I wouldn't have a lot of difficulty producing them pretty quickly. Um, especially if my writing time was limited. A book much longer than that would, would eat up a, a big chunk of the year for me uh, if I wasn't a dedicated writer. Uh, I also write most comfortably in sci-fi and fantasy genres, so I'd probably focus on near-future sci-fi or paranormal fantasy to give me the flexibility of making things up so that I don't have to be you know, faithfully uh, accurate to certain subject matter, but still familiar enough that, it, you know, it's a semi real world setting. So new readers don't have to spend a lot of time getting up to speed. And I think that would make it more accessible more quickly. Uh, I would take time to become very familiar with the elements of the subgenre that people are looking for. I, in the past, I have made the mistake of sort of perusing uh, the, a new genre picking the things about it that I like and then focusing on those and the things that I like and the things that a, an audience are looking for can be different. So especially since in this speculative thing, I'm going to be doing something I've never quite done before, particularly because in theory, I'm starting new. I would make sure that I know exactly what to include to put it, you know, nice, nicely in the pocket of the, of the genre that I was shooting for. 
I would want a premise that would give me a built-in plot structure. Uh, you Obviously, you'll see a private eye is fairly common because private eyes have individual cases, and that works well to wrap things up into individual books. Uh, mercenary bounty hunter also works for depending on what setting I'm going for, so I'd pick one of those. Uh, just something that lends itself to a self-contained story. And I would try to focus on something that can be read as a standalone and in any order, at least initially. Uh, I would write the first three books before releasing any of them. Uh, they would be on the short side. Like I would be aiming more to that 60,000 than 75,000. Uh, and each one would be effectively be a standalone. Same setting, same character, and everything like that. But I would want each of the books to be able to stand on their own. And uh, I go for budget covers on these, photo manipulations or pre-mades if I can, uh, and if the genre allows for it, because, again, people look for a certain type of cover in certain genres, and sometimes photo manipulation and pre-mades, uh, you know, just don't work for that. Uh, I, ideally, I would choose one where it does work for it, but if it if it needs to be illustrated, then uh, there's a stunt that I pulled. I've never actually, I didn't actually deploy it, but I, I, I prepared myself for... Uh, a series of sci-fi books where I got a bunch of backgrounds and a bunch of foreground objects, and then I would just mix and match them to be able to, you know, get a, a couple different covers out of some very basic raw materials from Illustrator, and I would have budget illustrated covers. Uh, in those cases, again, I'm, sh I'm shooting for two hundred bucks uh, per cover. In this case, uh, less if I can, but probably not less than that. Um, I would do a lot more revisions on my on my on these books. Actually, I would reread these books a lot more often, more times through than I do now. I would try to make sure that the manuscripts are as clean as possible before I send them out to an editor, because again, I'm gonna be trying to put three books out on that two thousand five hundred dollars. So I can't. I, I need to save money everywhere I can, and lots of editors have different levels of edit. Uh, some of them are just proofreading. And some of them are reading for consistency of voice and looking for plot holes and stuff. Typically, the less editing they do, the less they charge. So I would be trying to make sure that everything was consistent and the plot was rock solid. So the only thing that they need to find are the typos. And then hopefully I'd save a little bit of money that way. Definitely, I'm getting uh, professional editing. Like, So I can't say I'm just not going to do professional editing. But I'm going to try to make sure that, that I can get away with minimal professional editing. Uh, I would start with Kindle exclusivity, uh, and I would be releasing these first three fairly rapidly. Probably not, pro about once every three weeks. I feel like any tighter than that would be pointless. And further uh, apart than that, you're going to fall off that honeymoon period that we talked about a couple of weeks ago. Uh, during the release process, the newest release would be 99 cents, and the previous ones would be probably 299 or 399. I would lean toward 399 just for profitability. Uh, and I would have links to the upcoming releases in the back matter until all of them are out, and then links to all of them in the back matter once they're all out. Again, because in this hypothetical scenario, I'm trying to make sure that you can read them in any order. Uh, the call to action would be to sign up for my newsletter. And uh, I'd have an onboarding sequence on the newsletter that asks for reviews and pushes the fact that there are three books. Again, trying to make sure that everybody consumes all of them, regardless of what order that they're in. And I would also have one that asks for feedback on the stories. And uh, this, I would have a website, but it would be super simple, basically just a landing page. Uh, I would have that would have newsletter sign up, 
and I would have a Facebook fan page and a Twitter account, all of them author-based, not uh, book or genre-based. I made that mistake in, in real life. I don't want to make it again. And they would all be focused basically on just announcing new releases and getting newsletter signups at this point. Uh, I would use those three releases that, that I just described. I would be using them as a laboratory, basically, uh, while I was writing the next stuff. So while they're out, I would be seeing which of them that did best. I would ideally have the covers be slightly different, like basically using these as an A-B test or A-B-C test, I guess. Uh, because again, I'm new. I certainly new in this genre. Uh, it's you know, hypothetically new to writing in general. So I would want to find out which of these books was doing best. And then if there was a standout, if one of these books turned out to be way more popular because of a better plot or because I did better job on the blurb and the, and the, uh, the cover, then I would basically consider that to be my pilot. Like that would be my, my entry point to this, my official entry point to the series. And I would continue the plot of that book into three more books uh, or three to five, depends on, you know, how well they're doing. Uh, and at this point, I would probably be tinkering with some low level Facebook ads and stuff to make sure that uh, once I got those three to five books ready, I would have some mature marketing chops to, to start directing people to them. And once I had at least two books in the story arc done, I would do a box set of the three books, the, the, those first three stories. Uh, and I would launch that box set along with the, the first of the, of the arc that I just finished writing deep discount on the, on the, uh, on the stuff that's already out trying to, funnel people through to what will hopefully be a continuing series and then release new ones as quickly as I can comfortably release them. So that would be my speculative method for starting now. Yeah. I, I feel like if you had a genre that needed illustrations, you would just have to like, maybe not do that one right now. Yeah, Although that's, so, on that's so few that maybe like lit RPG, like even epic fantasy, I've seen like symbol covers do great, you know, like, and those are pretty inexpensive to have done. So, um, and space opera I did with my pen name, we just did cheap Photoshop covers and they're not like gorgeous, but <laughs> they got the job done and they conveyed the genre. Um, I was curious cause a lot of us have a lot of overlap on what we would do. I was curious, um, what makes you want to do like standalone instead of like connected books? I guess I'll just let you, cause I, well, I feel like as a, like we'll see when I do mine, I very deliberately am not doing, I'm doing an overarching series because I, I have such better sell through when I do that with a series where like each one is a complete story, but you kind of have to see what happens next. And with your bounty hunter thing made me think of like the Mandalorian. And I'm like, I'm not sure I would have really, like I enjoyed it, but I really enjoyed like, Ooh, baby, what Grugu, it's not baby Yoda anymore. You got a name in the season two. Grogu? Something like that. Um, but yeah, that was like, whoa, I got to see what happens next. You know, that little teaser at the end. And then that was the over arc of the first, of both seasons, really. It was like, and that's kind of what drew me in. So yeah, I was just curious uh, why you picked that. Uh, partially to differentiate myself from what you've already, you'd already written. Uh, because again, I, I filled mine in second. But also because um, I feel like one of the big, one of the things I wish I had done more uh, when I started the first time was to sort of laboratory and workshop things. I sort of just put stuff out and hope for the best. 
uh, in the beginning. And I felt like if I had a couple of, uh, of standalone stories that d were, again, same character, same setting, same everything, basically just monster of the week style uh, uh, stuff, then it would give me the opportunity to uh, test out three entry points as opposed to committing to one and hoping for the best. Uh, I don't know that this is necessarily the best uh, way to go about it, but I definitely feel like early on, if I had experimented and, and measured my success a little bit more, I probably would have had a better structured first series because my first series, while it did very well and is probably still my best overall in terms of sales, just because of its size, uh, I made a lot of mistakes with launching that, that I probably wouldn't have made if I had done a couple of tests before committing to anything. It is kind of funny, though, that that was your most successful series, because I think you've talked about before how it was basically one big book and you chopped it up in three. So I assume yep. they're pretty cliffhanger endings at the end. Very. The first the book one to two is is uh, horrifically cliffhanger. -y. See, readers hate it, but it gets them going. Um, but yeah, I think Andrea also had some comments, too. Yeah, I was going to say, I was just actually going to comment on that cliffhanger thing. Like I have a huge cliffhanger in my Coven Chronicles and it's like a mean cliffhanger and my readers like they that read through is so good and as a reader myself like i hate love cliffhangers <laughs> like when lord voldemort is back at the end of book four i was like what? And then we had to wait two years to find out what happened those cliffhangers suck because that's two years but that cliffhanger in a faster release like an indie author release schedule is great um, okay, so I love the length of book you picked, and I think that that's a really good length just because almost every genre entertains this length well, you know, the 75,000 words-ish around there to 80 or whatever. Um, what exactly did you say it was? 70, 60 to 75,000. Yeah, that's a really good length. And, and most authors can achieve that beginning or non-beginning, you know. And again, most genres can handle it well. Um, and the standalones caught my attention. I think that as a reader, these books work really well for me. There's a lot of um, authors who write similarly to that, that, you know, I read those books, um, but I do still read them in the correct order. Uh, the thing I found with a lot of standalone books that are in a series, readers are like, Hey, which one is, which do you, can you put the numbers somewhere so I can see which one to read in which order? And, and you've got rabid fans already. They'll be like, Hey, Joe, all right, which, which one is which? Um, I don't remember. Did you say you would do it under a pen name or you would do it under your current name? Uh, we'll theorize that this is me starting off. So we'll say that it was a pen name that nobody, like with no connection to my past. Okay. Yeah, that was sort of the premise for the show. <laughs> so, like if we <laughs> were starting with no uh, contact, like no network, limited budget, you know, nobody to help us basically, what would we do? Okay, so if we had the knowledge we have now and our talents we have now, but as a brand new author. Okay, I got it, Lindsay. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Um, that's a little bit of a spoiler alert for my part. <laughs> I didn't know what the subject was. Um, anyway, so I love your comment on the premise, giving you a built-in plot structure. Honestly, like researching the market give, can give authors so many ideas for a book. For example, like what is selling really well? What's the structure of those books? What sorts of tropes do well and which don't? You can tell by reading the books that are selling really well and then give you a lot of material inspiration for your own book. And so a lot of the work is already done for you. You don't have to come up with something completely from scratch, you know, especially with that that investigator, um, the the detective, what was that? I can't see in your spot, but that's yeah. you talked about that, right? Private investigator, yeah. 
Yeah. Private investigator. Yeah. That gives you a lot of material to go by. I mean, you go by grim, um, you know, you know, the, the, the big one that everybody's going to, you know, think of automatically with Dresden files, you know, things like that. So that's, that's a lot of fun. Um, uh, and if and an author followed this plan perfectly, I think they see a lot of traction, uh, mainly because, you know, you're, you've, you're doing it in a smart way. You're following the genre, the the market, and and you're hitting all the tropes, things like that. Um, potential problems, of course, would be <laughs> if it takes um, if it takes an author a year and a half to get the fourth book out, and what would they do with their newsletter list in the meantime? Um, and then those, you know, that the what is it, the three, the the series that you were planning on doing with a, the full arc structure and all of that. Um, Anyway, so I see that the whole purpose of these initial books is to get a name out, establish a platform, and research for the series you'd follow those books with. And I like that. Um, I think that would work really well in your situation. I think for somebody like me, I wouldn't. It wouldn't work well because every book needs to have a like. I can't. I can't write a pizza dragon book. I would love to, but everything I publish has to have monetary value for me. <laughs> Otherwise, cause you know, there's just not enough time. Um, and I'm curious about the release strategy. I'd love to see if you actually do implement this. And I mean, if you would possibly, I don't know if you plan on it, but I'd love to see an action and analyze the results and see what sorts of things work. Um, and if having three entry points into full series does well and how readers react to it. So, um, yeah. I love the market research that you would put into it from seeing how those three books do. So it would be kind of cool. I'll certainly let everybody know if I, if I pull that off, although uh, it would probably be like two years from now before I have any sort of data from that. <laughs> two yeah. years later. Before Andrews, I just wanted to add to you that I, I did not do any kind of cliffhanger with the first werewolf book. I, cause I was just like, oh, I'm just writing three of these. They'll just stand alone and, yeah, the sell-through is not that great, to be honest. Like, the book one's selling great. Pick two's doing fine. But I see a really big difference in between that and other series I've done where at book one, it's like, whoa, shoot, I got to see what happens next. Person's like, oh, they're in a good, happy place. Here's a nice book. What's next on my, you know, KU whatever I've borrowed? So just uh, food for thought. And a little bit of a, of a word on that, like it depends on the genre. Of course, you know, I had a friend who wrote a bunch of romance books that were cliffhangers in a series and readers gobbled them up back then and left really bad reviews. And so the series is pretty much dead now, but back then it did really well. And so I'm like, don't do this. Don't do this with romance because <laughs> that would be a really bad thing. <laughs> you have to really carefully craft it. I did one like that with my pen name that was a five books arc. They basically were kidnapped from Earth and had to get back to Earth. But, you know, different couple in each one. That's what the romance readers expect. So you have to have happily for now, at least yeah. for the couple, even as the story continues. And that did sell better than the other series I did with my pen name. But I think that the ones that were it was each one was a complete story or more like fan favorites. I think it was a better series. So it's trade-offs, you know, it can be really tough with romance to have kind of, a, you don't see that very often for a reason. Like that's, that's tough to pull off. Yeah. And, and that, like, you can think of like twilight, you know, um, that's, that whole thing is heavy, heavy. I mean, that is way romance watching that with a man. They're like, when, when are they going to fight to the death? Like, Oh, it, the last five minutes of the movie. Okay. But I mean, that's, you know, that's romance the whole way through and it doesn't necessarily end in cliffhangers, but it does like, is she going to become a vampire or not? You know? And so, I mean, you have to find ways to keep people wanting to read, even if you write, you know, f fantasy romance or whatever, you know, or paranormal romance. Okay. So 
<laughs> going into my section. Um, did have this is about a five minute or ten minute throw together that I did. I am going to do a a course based off of what I put together because it was like five pages long or four pages long or something, and it'll be basically um, how to self publish now and what I would recommend you do now to self publish. And I'm going to see if I can get that available by next week, and I will let you guys know in our next episode whenever that's going to be. I have got my romance author mastermind and Lindsay's got 20 books to 50 K. So we'll figure it out and let you guys know <laughs> anyway. Um, so be watching for a course. Cause I've already done all the work for it, except the recording. Um, but okay. So my strategy for starting out now. So, and since I did just start a new pen name at the beginning of this year, and I did start a new genre, this is going to be me talking about what I did plus what I would have done if life had gone as planned. <laughs> So I first picked the genre and I used Alex Newton's Calytics reports for a genre analysis. And then I went through publisher rocket for keywords. I did a search for search terms, basically checking out how much those terms made through publisher rocket. So, and what I mean by that is I went to Amazon and I started typing out the search and then I saw what people were searching for. And then I plugged those into publisher rocket. And then I, um, used, um, Alex Newton's Calytics report just to understand, you know, like the length of the book, how much I needed to charge for it. And the length I picked was, was 50,000 words and they will get longer based on, um, yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm, I, I don't know if you guys remember when Elena Johnson was on the, on the show, I decided to do something similar to what she did because that really works for me. Uh, it plays to my, the fantasy, the reason I love writing fantasy. So what she does is she has viewpoints from future romance characters in current books. And the reason that works for me is because I get invested in characters and I like to enjoy them across a while, a long while and not just enjoy them, but delve into their brains in current books and in later books. And so I've got in the, in the books that are published, the two books that are published now, I've got scenes from other characters in them that are, you know, from previous books and things like that. And I haven't had any feedback on that yet. I haven't done enough with the series to know if people like that or not, but it's, you know, it's got 22 reviews and a almost five-star average. And most of those are people I don't know because I found out that my romance reader list died after not using it for three years. <laughs> that kind of happens, right? It's, it's coming alive again, slowly and surely. Anyway, so, and I also use my brother's report on porn searches. <laughs> my brother, Mike, not Josh. Uh, he told me he was like, he's like, guess what? The top five things women search for when it comes to porn on Google. And I was like, Oh, this ought to be interesting. The first one was billionaires. The second one was surgeons. The third one was like vampires or werewolves. The fourth one was the other one, vampires or werewolves. And then the fifth one was, um, ah, oh, geez, I can't remember right now. Um, Oh, it's like right at the tip of my brain. If I remember, I'll come back to it anyway. Um, and so I did, I picked surgeons. <laughs> so I write medical romances. Um, anyway, and I didn't go with straight surgeons. I went with doctors and I'm going to, I would like to go to surgeons. Like the first one's about a cardiologist and, um, anyway, so I wanted to capitalize a little bit on that and it's not, my books are clean, but Women who write, who read clean books, we still have those same, we still have those same urges, guys. <laughs> people who don't write, who don't write and read clean books. You know, we're still humans. We still um, enjoy 
S-E-X and stuff like that, even if we don't want to read it in our books. And so, I mean, it's the same, it's the same biological tendencies and things like that. And so, you know, surgeons and all that. Um, anyway, so then I took that and I wrote a book I was passionate about. Uh, I really, really enjoyed writing it. I've got lots of really fun scenes in it, you know, where, you know, the main character has to do her laundry at the love interest's house and she accidentally leaves a bra behind. She has, she's hanging on the doorknob. She goes back to get it and he's like holding it like, crap, what do I do with this? He's holding it with one finger with a bra strap. Anyway, I had a lot of fun with it. It was a lot of fun to write. And um, anyway, so then I wrote a reader magnet and it's based on the dean of the hospital where all of the characters will happen. And I picked the dean because he's going to be in every single book I write that revolves around this hospital but he's never going to be a main character of a main book. And so I'm like, the Dean is really great because every single book will relate to that reader magnet in some way. So I could write like 50 books and have like multiple series, like five book series, all based around the same hospital. So the first series is the cardiology wing, you know, and then the next one, I haven't decided what the next series is going to be about, but anyway, so that Dean, he's like in the center and everything revolves around her. So that reader magnet will pull readers in regardless of where they enter into this ecoverse. Ecoverse? Is that a word? Yes. That I've created for this series anyway. And that one's based on a pretend engagement, which was so much fun because you get to the kissing really fast <laughs> because they're supposed to be engaged. So they're like making out a couple pages in. And yes, makeout scenes are fun to write. <laughs> anyway, so I set up my usual automation sequence. So the first, you know, the first email gives the new or the freebie. The second email asks them if they, they were able to get that freebie. The third email tells them about the next book in the series, which I do have out. Um, the fourth, no, 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 the third email, sorry, tells them to come join me on Facebook. I've got a, a Facebook group for my romance readers and, um, I did separate. Okay. I'll go into that a little bit later. Um, the fourth email goes, it tells them about the next book. The fifth email asks them to leave a review on that first book. And then the sixth email asks them to join my reader, my, uh, review team. And then, okay. So website and social media. So what I've done there is I've actually, the pen name is related enough to my current name where if I had all the time in the world and I'm still finding hair all over me from that beard, that's <laughs> so nasty. <laughs> anyway, if I, um, anyway, so my website, it, it's related. Well, you know, the, the pen name is too well related. I didn't want to start a completely new website because I know I don't have enough time to maintain everything. So everything goes under my Andrea Pearson website. Everything goes under my Andrea Pearson Facebook account. I don't cross the streams when it comes to my newsletter list. I have a completely separate newsletter list. My also bots have been really solid so far. They've been they've been really, really good right on the genre. So that's been really, really great. And even the subgenre. So I know I've done a really good job this time around. Last time around with romance, I made the mistake of telling my readers, I was like, oh, the books have been out long enough. You know, after six months, I decided to tell my Facebook readers. But the problem was, is my Facebook readers are rabid fans. And I'd been doing that for at that point, seven years. And I'd only been doing the romance for six months. And they quickly just overpowered the progress I'd made with the romance. And because I was also still writing fantasy and this time I've done a complete switch from fantasy to romance. And so it's not a, it's not like I'm going back and forth between the two. And that was, that was a big mistake. I should never have told my fantasy readers about my romance book. Sorry guys. I love you. Um, 
And one of my favorite readers actually listens to the podcast. Hi, David. <laughs> anyway, so um, so I, I won't ever tell my fantasy readers about my romance books just because it's just not worth it. And I they can still find me. If they go to my website, they can still find my, my, my romance books. Um, anyway, so I arranged for newsletter swaps after I'd written that book and, and no, before I wrote the book and published it. No, before I published the book. Sorry, my brain is so scattered today. I arranged for newsletter swaps. I released the book into Kindle Unlimited because romance does do pretty well in Kindle Unlimited. So does urban fantasy. And um, let's see. Yeah, I released in Kindle Unlimited because my life is complicated. All my books are, almost all my books are in Kindle Unlimited right now because just I just don't have the time to, I really feel bad. I really miss working with Kin, uh, Kobo, but I just don't have the time to do my book business basically right now. And so it's on the back burner a lot, which is unfortunate. Okay. So announced to people, I have a question mark on that. I did not announce my book except to my romance list because again, I didn't want to cross the streams. I love Ghostbusters. I, I'm going to just continually refer to them, <laughs> but didn't want to cross the streams and have problems with my, my algorithms and my also bots. And so it's, it's harder to announce to people when you can't announce to people. I did not tell my current readers, my current fantasy readers about it, but I did tell my current romance readers and that I've got a thousand uh, readers on my romance list. And I think I got only like 10 downloads from them because I hadn't emailed in 10 months, 10 months in three years. And uh, let's see. So I hadn't told you guys either. So um, if I were starting out right now with all the knowledge I have, I probably still wouldn't tell you guys <laughs> what I was writing uh, right at the start, just because of the the problems with the algorithms and also bots. Um, you, in the beginning, in the very, very beginning, things are very sensitive. You know, it's kind of hard to get off the ground. And I haven't told my, I haven't told people on my personal side, I haven't told anybody that that romance exists, not on my personal account or anything, just again, because of the algorithms. Anyway, so I set up promotions using the regular websites like um, Robin Reads. Um, I'm trying to remember which ones I used. Um, ENT did not accept me because I did not have enough reviews. Uh, free, no, no, no. Uh, let's see, Fussy Librarian. Anyway, a, a reading deals and book sends, all of those. I did those when it first launched, did not have a whole lot of movement from it, mainly because I didn't have a lot of reviews. It's really, really tough to get the ball moving when you don't have that built in, that built in system of lots of reviews and everything. And my, I got like two reviews on launch day from the review team I'd set up years earlier. And I was kind of horrified to find that they were my fantasy reviewers who had somehow sneaked into my romance reviewers list. And so it's like, top, like the top romance or top, top review on my number one romance book for a long time was from somebody who was named like urban fantasy lover. And I'm like, Ugh, dang it. <laughs> so, oh man, that was, that was great. I ended up having, having my assistant go through and I feel bad about this, but she went through and removed anybody who was on both of my review teams because I don't want, I love them very much, but I don't want that's coming into problem. I, I could add them eventually again later when I've got several hundred reviews, but right now when I'm, I'm not able to devote as much time and I'm not writing and releasing as quickly, I'm rambling so much guys. Sorry. Anyway, so I'm not going to put them back in. Okay. So I set up a pre-order for the next book, which by that point was mostly written. And, um, 
I ended up releasing that book early, which is an ideal situation for me if I if it's a later book in a series, just because then I don't take the time to fill in the time, you know, set up a pre-order well in the future. And then you fill up that time until that, instead of releasing early, you, most people usually fill up the time and release at that point. And I was like, I'm not going to do that. So I released it several weeks earlier than, than that pre-order was set up for. Um, I kept the first book price at 99 cents and the next books will all be at 2.99. Okay. So very briefly, what I would have done if I hadn't had a crazy last few months, I would have released five books by now because I'm a fast writer. They're easy to write and they're easy to publish. And the first one came out in March or something. I would have run multiple promotions by now since they're in Kindle Unlimited. I would have done giveaways targeting uh, my Facebook ads, targeted through Facebook ads, <clears throat> and so that I would be sending the correct, you know, ro readers of cleaner romance to them. Um, I would have reached out to other romance authors and asked if their street teams would like to review for me because I've done that with fantasy before and that works really well. And, um, I do know a lot of romance readers who write clean romance. And so it's not like I would be cold co contacting them. I would have had Facebook ads to them. Uh, I would have uh, done Amazon ads. I do have a bunch currently going to the first book, but they're not optimized and they're not doing super well um, because I haven't been just, yeah, anyway. So I basically would write, release, promote. I wouldn't worry about rapid releasing because I'm a fast enough writer where it's not so, so much of an interest to me mainly because I don't, I can't predict my life. And so I wouldn't set up pre-orders and I wouldn't plan to do a rapid release because of how, insane my life was. My plan was in March was to write a book every six to eight weeks. And if I hadn't moved and had surgery and sprained my ankle and, and, um, all of that, then it would have worked. And I've done that in the past. So I know I'll be able to get back to it again later. It's just not something that I'm going to plan for or would plan for in my given current state. And I still talked for like four pages. <laughs> Sorry. So this is cool because you haven't actually told us before your um, your, your genre. You said romance, but um, it's funny be that it's medical romance because about a year ago, I remember Alex Newton, I think he did a report and I checked it out. He was like, oh, what's this? Because I have a friend that works in the field. She's like a medical health professional and she knows so much stuff and she loves to write, but she hasn't published really, or she's published like one thing on her pen name. But I was like, you got to write this. This is wide open. Like, I don't know how it is now a year later, but it was like, hardly anything was in that category on Amazon and it looked like awful <laughs> except for our listeners. If you write medical romance, obviously your books were amazing, but there was a lot of awful stuff in there. I was like, you could totally do this. You could get in there. Um, so I'm curious have you found that it's compared to like the other contemporary romance options, relatively un, um, less competitive, but still like a hungry audience. Um, yes, actually I have. I think that's one of the reasons why my books are doing so well. And another thing, the, most of the contemporary romance books that are medical are, are spicy, which means it's wide open for clean romance readers. Anytime you've got a romance genre or any genre that tends to have a lot more spice in it, you've got the same market who won't, who wants that but wants it clean. And it's, it's pretty wide open right now for clean, clean authors. So if you write clean authors and you want to come join me on the, on the bloody side <laughs> of, of writing medical romance, can't be too bloody, but, um, yeah. So the reason I picked medical romance was because of, I, I was watching that, that first report that came out last year when he was like, medical romance is a new category. And, you know, I was like, Hey, I need to hop on that. And I, I have a background in, in, in medical stuff. You know, I mean, that's what my degree is. And then my husband does medical stuff. Right. And, um, 
it's my, one of my biggest passions. I've always been fascinated. My favorite classes are anatomy. And so I'm like, this is a genre. I, it, I can take what I know and easily write a book, you know? So my first book, they have to do a coronary, like they have to do a, a st- and have to put a stent in. And because my dad's had stents and I've had to research that and all that, I knew how all that worked. And so it was very easy to research. And so, yeah. So yes, it, there's a lot going on. I mean, there's a lot of movement. The, the genre is doing much better now when that category, when it first came out, yeah, it was full of books that were not really medical romances. It was like, it was like some Navy SEAL book that they probably had a medical person is a minor character in the book, but now it's a lot of doctors. And so, yeah, so it's, it's doing better now. Yeah. I was going to actually ask if you were daunted at all by having to do research. Cause I feel like I, I have a friend, actually, I, don't, I have all these geek friends cause I'm a geek that are like computer science people, you know, but they still like reading the billionaire software executive romance or whatever. And they just, they smash these books because they're like, that's not how anything works in the computer field, you know? Um, so, but that's good that you have that background and we're able to draw on it. Like, Cause I feel like that is one of those genres where if you got a lot wrong or just kind of hand wavy <laughs> that people would give you a hard time in the reviews. Yeah. And because it's clean romance, I kind of have to go light on, I mean, you can't, it's romance in general. You can't have it be super graphic. And so that helps too. Um, but yeah. And then I've had like a million surgeries and so I can just pull off of my own personal hospital experience. I, uh, it's funny, like you're talking about like, you know, you look at the list and the number one things that people search for a couple of years ago, I was at book expo America and I had a gigantic thing for a romance imprint. And it was like, we've got every man you might be looking for. And it was literally like the passionate billionaire, the lone cowboy, the bad boy millionaire, the faithful cowboy. And I was like, it was nothing but, but, but rich people and cowboys. And I was like, surely, surely there must be some other subject matter that people are after, uh, or we need to have a billionaire cowboy. But, uh, I, I just remembered pirates was number five pirates. Right? <laughs> so there you go. Um, but yeah, okay. So, uh, like, because this actual, uh, you know, re- this actual new launch that you did, you have your history, uh, that, uh, uh, you have to worry about contaminating your, your, uh, your readership, your previous readership, contaminating the, the reviews and whatnot, and messing up your also bots. Uh, just, this is sort of a speculation, but do you feel like it would have been easier if you were legit starting from scratch? Like there would be so, so many fewer steps that you'd have to take to avoid having the algorithm get messed up. Like, do you think that starting with no audience at all would have actually been easier in that regard? Uh, yes, actually I do because I had to be so careful. Like in the beginning, when I first did my romance three years ago, I combined everybody into one Facebook group. And that was, I was like, Oh, this is going to be so much easier, but that ended up contributing to my problems too. And so I was like, I I've got this, this little romance group. I mean, I separated them out and I think I heard a couple readers feelings because I was like, I can't allow. And anyway, so I didn't end up telling anybody really. And I think it would have gone more smoothly if I hadn't had a readership already. And I wouldn't have been tiptoeing all over the place and feeling like I was cheating on my fantasy readers like that, the guilt and everything I'm, I'm over it now, but it was really, really hard in the beginning because these readers will read literally everything I write. And I absolutely love them for it. But on the marketing side, I can't have them read my romance until I am way more established as a romance reader. And I think a few here and there wouldn't be a problem, but I couldn't send 7,000 of them 
to my romance books. So yeah, I think it would have been a lot easier if I hadn't already had an established name and persona and everything. All right. So now that I know that porn pirates is a thing that people look for, this explains things. I have questions about. I remember somebody shared an erotica book. It was called like Pounded by Pirates. And I just remember this because the blurb was so hilarious. I was just dying and sharing it with all my friends. Uh, if you were the author of that excellent work, it was, it did get the, uh, it's made me what do you call it? Go take it viral, right? Like share it with everybody because it was just so hilarious. But I'm like pirates. And now I know number five on the Google search. <sighs> okay. We're at almost an hour. So I'll try to cruise through mine here without, uh, look, it's two pages of solid text. <laughs> Apparently this wasn't a light topic. Um, but for me, I guess first thing I would decide is, do I want to go exclusive or wide? Uh, I think I'd probably pick Amazon and KU exclusive to start out just so I could focus my, my money because I have given myself a limited budget here and, and kind of the brain power on just focusing on one store and also to hope to take advantage of the page reads and the fact that borrows count as uh, sales as far as the sales ranking, though I really doubt as somebody coming in new without any connections or able, you know, networking or anything that I would get into any like top 100s. So if that totally didn't work, I would totally keep totally guys, I would keep the idea of wide open and I might actually like go wide and then focus on one store, like pick like Google play or maybe Apple, whichever one, like I might try to become an expert in the one store just because amazon.com is super competitive right now. And if you don't have a big advertising budget uh, and you're not writing in like medical romance, which, and I don't know if it's still the case, but maybe less competitive because it's so far these are over time, these things all <laughs> people like find them right. And start to, it blows up with how many books are in there, but let's just say I'm going KU to keep things easy. And I would pick a genre that obviously I like to write in that has readers, something that is clearly defined um, and not too competitive, but you know, it, it seems that there are readers, but not like it doesn't take a thousand ranking in the Amazon store in order to get to the top 100. So as a fantasy sci-fi person, I'd probably pick something like Space Hopper. That one's really quite defined, really easy to know how to do covers for that one. Or after my recent experience with the Witches and Werewolves story doing well, I might pick something like that, which uh, I was looking at. There's a category Werewolves and Shifters, and there's also category Psychics that I was like, oh, that's interesting. And they're under Mystery, Thriller, and Suspense, Mystery, Paranormal. So it's really quite drilled down there. But these could also go under that kind of bigger uh, urban fantasy slash paranormal fantasy category. That's one of those ones where it's, like I said, like top thousand in the store just to rank in the top hundred kind of thing. So starting in a really small pond, but with the possibility that it could, you know, if it did pop into the rankings, it might show up in the other one. But um, so that's kind of what I was thinking I would do just because those would be easier. Whenever I do space hopper, they tend to get sprawling epic, lots of POV characters, complicated stories. After a while, I would start with like 80,000 words and then before long, there are 150,000 words. So let's just say I'm doing psychics. <laughs> um, and then, then I would design a series and we talked about this a bit on Joe's section where each book is a complete story, but there's a very, there's a mystery, there's a big story arc that makes the readers kind of have to continue on. I definitely wouldn't do 
a cliffhanger with it not being a complete story. Cause I think that's where you really get a lot of hate from the readers. They want to feel like they did get their money's worth. They did get a book. You know, it's not the author just trying to cash in and you know force you to read 20 installments. So each one would feel like a complete story or episode, but you really want to know what's going on. And you'd have like a big teaser at the end of each one. Like, Oh, I gotta see what happens next. And like I said, I, I often don't do this, even though I know it works really well especially if I'm not planning, you know, it's just sort of a side project like this werewolf thing was, I was like, oh, I'm not going to write that many of those. Just needed a brain break this summer. But like I said, the sell-through tends to be better when I when I do that kind of thing. So I'd, I'd probably design my series to be maybe six books, have that in mind with the thought that, you know, it could go to nine or even more if it went well. I, I say as someone, I don't think I've ever gone above eight or nine. And I would do a single main character, possibly a single POV, um, just because these make for simpler stories that are quicker to write. And if I was starting from scratch, I'd want to build up a backlist and hopefully get things going uh, pretty initially by releasing pretty quickly. I remember when I got started, I did not have a backlist at all. I had two unrelated novels, which does not help with anything really uh, that I published when I first got started. I remember being so envious of these authors that had already 10 novels or something like that. They're, they had these trunk novels that they had gotten rejected and they decided to self-publish. So they were able to just put a whole bunch of stuff out at once. And it's not like that's going to make you instantly successful, but it does help. I think when a, like I, as a reader know that like, if I see the authors only put out one book and it just come out, I'm like, ah, I'm not sure I really want to get involved with this, especially if it's clearly says it's like book one, because you don't know how long you're going to be waiting to uh, complete that series. So, but, but if they can see like, oh, one's out, two's coming, three's on pre-order, you know, that kind of gives them maybe a little more confidence that, oh, okay, if I get involved with this, the author's writing, you know, not two years apart on, on the books. So it's, it's worth jumping into. And so I think like Joe said, you know, I would just write the first three novels before publishing anything. I like to do that uh, not just because of the rapid release and the possibility of gaining momentum, but I found that it, I did that with my pen name when I started. It's just, you end up, especially if you're like with sci-fi romance, I was totally building the world, the universe at the same time, developing the religion, you know, the, the corporate corporatocracy that was ruling the system or the unit, whatever it was. Uh, and it's just, I'd think of things as I was writing book, writing books two and three and go back and make changes in one, like to make it better, to like round out the background a little more. So uh, I, I enjoy doing that. And that's why I often do that now still is write, you know, three books before I release the first one. Uh, again, that can show the readers too, that there's more on the way. In addition to that, uh, you can kind of tell that my strength that I'm leaning on is the fact that I can, at this point in my career, write pretty quickly. Uh, I'm horrible with networking, anything like that. So this is super scant. I'm like, oh, I would do newsletter spots for the other authors. No, I probably would not, <laughs> especially if I didn't know any other authors because I was doing this completely anonymous me and, you know, building up a mailing list from scratch. It can be very hard to get into swaps with other people that have readers already. <laughs> they're like, oh, your mailing list has three people and they're your mom and dad and uncle. Not interested. So I would write a prequel novella as well, or like a side novella from a different point of view character and work that in as a newsletter bonus. I would get a simple website up. Uh, this is what I did with the pen name. The, the website's now gone because I didn't pay attention to my domain name got stolen. But a simple website up with a page for each book uh, with a preview chapter on each page and a newsletter sign-up page. That's the most important thing. Like if you don't want to do the... Uh, install WordPress or whatever, just get the newsletter sign-up page in there. 
Uh, and then at the end of the first book, I would uh, ask for a review. This is probably something I would take out later, but in the beginning, I'd have no reviews. So I'd want to ask for them from anybody that was willing to get that book. Mention the bonus and link to the newsletter, like come get the free prequel novella. And then, of course, use book funnel to distribute that. Uh, thank the reader, all that stuff. At the end of book two, again, I'd probably ask for review and link to book three. At the end of book three, I'd ask for review again, because this is the most important thing when, not the most important thing, but it is a important thing. Uh, if you're going to start trying to like book promos, do ads, you're always going to do better, probably, most likely, if you can get a, a few reviews and it's just not just empty, especially if it's a book that's been out for a while. If it doesn't have any reviews, I, I feel like that's a bit of a strike against it. Uh, so at the end of book three, you know, I'd mentioned the newsletter again and the bonus in case they missed it. You know, uh, at least in the Kindle store, they like to like, you hit the end sometimes and that they don't, you know, if the person doesn't actively flip, they don't realize there's more. So I, I don't think it's worth, I think it's worth mentioning the newsletter in multiple books. Uh, as far as pricing goes, I would I would launch book one at 99 cents with the thought that like, if this is not working, if this is not gaining traction, I would do a free, the five days free right away. <laughs> That's actually what I did with my pen name. I made the first book wide uh, so that I could have a promo free on Amazon and then put the other ones into KDB Select. And we've talked about this before. Book one was a complete story. So if readers on other sites read it, they wouldn't be annoyed. It wasn't, you know, a cliffhanger in that case. Uh, but if I am doing a cliffhanger, that's a question mark. Would I do that or not? I, I think I would not with this and just stick with the allotted free days. Um, but yeah, I would just go ahead and use them right away if, if nothing was happening. And then for books two and three, I would do probably $3.99 for books this length, unless they went a lot longer than I expected. $4.99 is kind of my standard, uh, partially because I do Patreon and have a $5 level. and I don't want people to be, feel cheated. Uh, but also because a lot of my books more like a hundred thousand words, but if I succeeded in doing maybe like 70, 80,000 word books, I'd probably do those at three ninety nine. advertising again, not much of a budget here. Cause I feel like I would basically pay the editor, pay the cover art on those three books. And that would take up most of that $2,500 unless I want super bare bones, which I, if I had the money, I'd probably try to invest in as good of covers as I could get and solid editing for the beginning. Um, like Joe kind of mentioned, I would, if I was newer, you know, do a workshop or something to make the books really confident that the story was in a good place and just pay for light at, you know, the more of the proofread kind of thing. Um, so when I publish these first three, I'd, I'd probably do kind of like, rapid release book one book two as soon as uh, a week or two weeks later especially from doing a 99 cent book one you're losing money kind of at that point uh book two and then three maybe a month after that that's actually what i did with these werewolf things <laughs> i'm so i'm so like honor i honor my work guys these werewolf things they're art they're great um but yeah i would also start writing book four while the others are releasing with the intent of having it ready to go within a couple months after the release of book three if you can keep up monthly monthly releases great but that's a crazy pace for most people and even uh as writing as a pretty quick writer doing this full time now, which I would assume I would not be doing at the beginning if I was starting from scratch, uh, that would be tough. But I, you know, I found that if you get those first three out pretty quickly, they're going to, readers will cut you some slack if the next one's two or three months later. If you're waiting a year, they might forget about you. So, but switching to like every three months at that point, I would think would be fine. And if, after all that, if not much is happening with the sales, you know, I, I would probably try to, like Andrea mentioned, try to get some 
sponsorship sites with the sort of whatever money I have left. You know, some of the obviously book bub and stuff is going to be too expensive on that budget and they wouldn't take a new author anyway with not that many reviews, but uh, maybe Fussy Librarian might take it. Um, I think BK Knights on Fiverr, I've I've done him recently. He still uh, shares free stuff. Uh, So that's, you know... um, I guess I'm almost done. I would say also, oh yeah, I would definitely, one thing I didn't do with a lot of my other books that I think can help is putting a preview, you know, a few pages of the next book at the end of the like book one. Here's a couple pages of book two. If you want to kind of get into it and check it out before you go on and buy it, Um, you know, and then, so I would just kind of keep plugging away and plan to write at least two series in this genre before letting myself wander off. Uh, Again, if it's, I try to design it so like, it can be wrapped up at six books, but if it's doing better, maybe I can extend it to nine. It, it does get to be a challenge when you've got this overarching story arc. You don't want to drag things along too much with that case, but you can kind of gauge it once it's out there and see how well things are doing. If you're doing it up to your, if things are going as well as you'd hoped. Um, and then I, I would at some point set up the social media stuff, but as desired, but this would be not a priority. I feel like authors really feel they have to do so many things as far as building a platform but really i think just having the website with your newsletter sign up and sending your readers to that at the beginning is the the best thing i don't think social media sells many books to be honest until you once you have a fan base and they're following you it can be another place where you announce new releases because i do get a lot of people on facebook that aren't even necessarily on my newsletter and so whenever i share a new release there it does sell books i track those links so i know it's it's my number two after the newsletter but you don't need to be, I don't think you need to be pressured to do that right at the beginning. So I do it as I had time. Like sometimes you just have a day where you can't write like, okay, we'll set up the Facebook page, share some funnies, excerpts, that kind of thing. And in later books in the series, you can also link to the social media pages to help them find you there. Okay. You guys fall asleep? Did you start editing your epic fantasy? <laughs> <laughs> I certainly did. And <laughs> um, Yeah. Um, that's a lot. This is the, the good thing about this episode. There's a ton of meat in it. So for new authors and even authors that are, you know, thinking about switching pen names and stuff like that. Um, I like the teaser idea, Mercy Thompson and Jack Reacher books don't do this. And so I'm not usually rushing out to grab the next one. Like, and I really enjoyed those worlds. Uh, I still haven't read the most recent Mercy Thompson book. And I've only read about 10 of the Jack Reacher w- books, which is kind of sad considering I really enjoy them. But if they had something in them that would pull readers to the next book, even if it's, you know, just something minor. I don't know. I think that I not even minor, but you know, I just kind of feel like they, that those authors, those authors drop the ball. Of course they are traditionally published and they're not sure if the next book's going to get picked up, but guys, the next book's going to get picked up. They're not going to say no to another Mercy Thompson book or another Jack Reacher book. Um, and Mercy Thompson does it a little bit more in hi Mike, a little bit later in this, in the series, but still not as much as I think they could. Uh, I love the idea of writing another free tie-in story. Um, having a perma-free is very valuable, regardless of whether you're wide or in Kindle Unlimited. And I like the point you make on readers being more invested after three books and able to wait for the next ones a bit longer. That's really great. And that's a good thing to help authors calm down a little bit and stop worrying about, oh, I've got to get the next book out. You know, So if you have the first three books ready and then you do a rapid release like once every three weeks, every four weeks, and then wait a little bit to release the next book, I think that that's not going to be a huge problem. Um, and I also like that you mentioned you're a fast writer, so your method would lean on that. Um, and I'm a fast writer and, and if I, in my perfect hypothetical situation, I wouldn't have 
health problems and I wouldn't have medical problems. And like I said, I would be releasing and writing every six weeks to eight weeks. Um, anyway, so, uh, yeah, so that's pretty much all my comments. I didn't have any questions for you. I think it's, I think it's pretty, um, it's pretty well thought out and solid. So if Joe has any questions, he can ask them. I will add before Joe goes that actually for his thing where he was doing the standalones, that would be even more important, I think, to put the preview of the next book in, you know, kind of get them hooked. Like, oh, you thought the story was done, but the Mandalorian goes off on another adventure in book two and collects another bounty. And then you can do a cliffhanger in what, you know, it's cliffhangery at the, after whatever the first chapter of the preview. Yeah, that was sort of a join us next time situation. Um, all right. So, uh, as I, as I said in my thing that like your release strategy is, I think like a good, just like baseline, that's what should be done. I think that, I think what, what you have there is, is a very good, uh, uh, just roadmap to, to release. Um, I will say, so again, if we're using the $2,500, uh, budget, you can stretch that to three books. Uh, I think the way you've described, you could, you could comfortably release those books with that budget. But if we're talking about, you know, uh, uh, an ongoing series, one would imagine that the release of the future books would at least, the timing would at least partially be based on when the first books were able to fund them. So I guess the question I would have here is if you were starting up and, you know, you saw some moderate success with your first books, would you be uh, investing more money into the future books or would you hold off until it was a self-sustaining series? Yeah, this is actually, I really love this question because I don't think we've asked each other this. And I think a lot of people are in that situation. Like maybe they were able to scrape together some money, they put it on a credit card, or, you know, able to take it from the day job to do the first three books, let's say, but then what happens if you're not covering the costs of the additional books? Uh, you know, I think in my case, like I'm cocky enough to believe I could make it work, but really, if you don't, aren't able to advertise these days, it, it's pretty tough. I know when I been, did my pen name, I think I was able to earn like $10,000 in the first couple of months. And that was with doing perma-free. And then I had two full price books right after that at Three ninety nine, I believe. But again, that was a long, I mean, it is a long time ago now. I think it was the winter fall of 2014 when I did that. So it was actually before Amazon ads were even a thing. And I feel like Facebook ads were just kind of starting to become a little bit of a thing for authors. So I didn't have any money to really, I didn't invest a lot in advertising it because there weren't that many options, but there wasn't all the competition either. And that at the time was like, maybe the medical romances are now, the sci-fi romances at the time were substandard covers and, you know, less competitive. So I had that working for me. Um, so if this didn't work out as well, I think I actually forgot this in my notes. Like if I wasn't gaining traction with the three books in KU, I'd probably write a also in addition to the prequel novella thing that I'm trying to lure people onto the mailing list with, I'd also do like a perma-free something, a complete story, but then link to, you know, or, do the excerpt of book one, like, yeah, see how these characters met in book one of this story and put that out there too. And you have to go bare bones with the covers. Like I, I if I had spent that money on the first three covers, those are the most important book one cover. I like, I'd almost say put more money into the book one cover and then be like, Hey, we'll just use that same model again. It's okay. We'll just put something, a tree in front of her, you know, like maybe then you go to Fiverr and ask them, just find somebody really inexpensive and ask if they can take the template 
because uh, a lot of times you can get the Photoshop files from the artist and kind of do a little more less expensive. So I'd, I think I'd want to keep going uh, and however I could, like maybe I had to trade editing services or something. I've certainly seen people get their start doing that. Uh, you know, and then I'd probably stop it at the six or I might be tempted to, okay, these three didn't quite do it, but let's see, maybe they did okay. Start that second series and do it all over again. Although then you'd have to come up with another $2,500. So what would you guys do? I'm curious. Cause I feel like a lot of people get in this situation where they're funding this from their day job. And it's sort of like, how long do you do that? Do you just keep doing it? Cause it's your passion or like, do you, at some point you got to go, okay, this is it. I'm throwing money away at this. I got to try something new. What do you guys think? Um, I think that, uh, uh, what I would do now is, is if I release, you know, I have my, my big launch strategy and I release them, uh, I, if they took off and they were doing gangbusters, I wouldn't wait the two months for that money to come in before I spent it. I would, I would, I see that I earned that money already. I would, I would spend the money and get the next books to the same level as quickly as possible. If I wasn't making a lot of money, I would probably just, well, I would probably say this isn't going to be my career. This is going to be a fun side project. And I would just I would write the books and as the money from the previous books came in, I would use them to finish it up. And it would not lead, I think, to uh, a, a, an escalating career. It would slowly build a backlist. And then maybe in the future, once I had my backlist and an income, then I would try again with a new series or a new, maybe a new pen name and just like use my old pen name to fund my new pen name. But I would slow things down if I was starting now. I didn't have a, a meteoric rise in the beginning. Yeah, I think I might do things a little similarly to that. Like if things were going really, really well in the beginning, I would continue letting my personal life fund the business. But I mean, if it's going really well, you know, within a couple months, it's paying for itself and then some. And if it's not going really well, I just very, I'm, I don't spend money that it doesn't make, you know, I don't do debt or anything like that. But if it's going slow anyway, then it's not like you're, you know, any, like if you make $50, then putting $50 into it is going to make a, a, a difference if it's, if it's a slow build anyway. So in the beginning I would take personal money and then I would gradually pay back the personal money loan that I got and have the business fully fund itself. Yeah. I think it's easy to say if it, if it's doing well and you're just, it's a matter of waiting the two months to get the money, then it's easy to say, Oh, I'll just put it on a credit card the next one or something. Cause you're pretty sure that if it's Amazon and Google and stuff, they're going to pay you. It's not like they're going to stiff you most likely. But I think the challenge is when you're like, eh, yeah, I've sold a few, but it's really far from covering the expenses. Although we do have to say, and I am the most impatient person. Like, so I understand it. Like you, and I've seen it from other people. I released my book five days ago. I haven't made any money yet. What's happening, guys? I think I would have to try to, knowing now what I do now, that it would take, I'd have to be willing to have it take time. Like this might take a year, two years, you know, it's just, it's hard to gauge if it's like you're having some success. Is it worth it to keep going on the series? I'd probably finish out the series if it was my first thing, you know, do the six books. And another thing you could look at too is if you just didn't have the money to continue writing, uh, maybe on Wattpad or on your own website, kind of do like serial, serial releases and see if you could 
build a fan base over time that way. Like you still have the books on Amazon. You're still, you know, maybe you do the free days every quarter and keep trying to sell them, but that's a way to get your stuff out there without having to put any more money in it. And possibly like I, it's rare, <laughs> but I have seen people uh, gain fan bases, you know, accumulate fans over time, uh, you know, doing it on their website. And there's a, every now and then I come across somebody that's like serial, been serializing on Patreon for seven years and has like 5,000 people giving the money every month now but you know that person started three million years not three million years three million words ago probably with nobody just doing it on patreon or on their website and then eventually moving to the paid model on patreon so i think if you're really a writer you you get you got to just keep going and you know you can give it a couple years before you I feel like people, if it, you know, especially if you do the rapid release, you're like tempted, right? To you, you had it all come out in two months, and you're like, well, I didn't instantly become a success, so this is a failure. You know, let's move on to the next project. Uh, and sometimes these things do take time. Like you can continue every time you do the promos, the KDP uh, countdown or whatever. Or like I said, in the beginning, maybe if Amazon is super competitive and it's just not getting traction, you try going wide and focus what money you have. Like uh, a lot of the sites promote everything. So it's not like you have to pick a store, but I might, if I was going to do Facebook ads or something like that, I might pick like Google Play is where I'm going to invest all my money and I'm going to try to build a fan base there first rather than trying to say $3 for Google Play today, $3 for the Apple store, $3 for Amazon, you might get a little farther by focusing on one store that's less competitive than Amazon. All right. You guys have any final thoughts? I like turtles. Do you guys remember that YouTube meme? <laughs> no. Joe does. <laughs> I, I remember, yeah. I never see it. You'll have to send it to me. It's just this reporter is interviewing a kid at a zoo and she asks him the question about something very serious. And he goes, I like turtles. <laughs> and that's how he answered. He's like a seven-year-old, a six-year-old kid. He's nervous and yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, turtles are good. I like dogs. Mine are sleeping. So I guess I'll be done for the day. It's dark here. It I'm is. Sure it's where it's you guys dark. are too. <laughs> All right. Well, let's go ahead and wrap up the show then. No more thoughts on turtles. Uh, thank you for listening, everyone. And thank you to Joshua Pearson for producing the show. You can find the show notes or leave a comment or question at sixfigureauthors.com with the number six. See ya. Bye, everyone. So long, everybody.